Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. Back with his newest expert, 10-year veteran of Wall Street, Taylor from Life Goal Investments. How you doing, buddy? Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I appreciate these conversations, man. You, I don't know, I don't know how much coffee you drink or what you're drinking, but you are just a full of energy. I love all our conversations. I've Thank had, you so much. I've had the same nickname since I was four years old. And one of my one of my friends at the time, my brother's buddy, said, Hey, you are like a spark plug, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like so it. It's been some iteration that spark, sparky, spark plug, you know, all of it. So, you know, sparky. We'll look behind the curtain. There, I like it. Know. Sparky. That's that's it. That's the one I want. Hi, Sparky. I like it. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I, I wanted to have a conversation with somebody who spent a decade on Wall Street. Again, this is my opinion. I could absolutely be wrong. Feel free to do that. But when I look at kind of from my vantage point, I consider the bond market smart money, the bond market, a lot of people don't realize dwarfs the stock market in, in total value. Uh, and a lot of dumb money ends up on the street trading stocks and whatnot. Uh, I'll stop there. Is, is that a, do you, maybe you don't look at it the same way, but that's the smart money for me is the bond market. The dumb money is the stock market. What, what do you think of that? crazy statement. I don't think there's any doubt that that's the case. Um, oh, that's spot okay. on. <laughs> One of the things that you can look at is, is they call them spreads. So mm -hmm. spreads on bonds. And essentially a spread is, so if you take a corporate bond and say it's a five-year AAA corporate bond of General Electric that's currently paying, General Electric, I'm not mind, uh, that's currently paying 5%. Yep. And the five-year US Treasury is paying 3%. Mm -hmm. So 5% versus 3%, that means that bond has a spread of 2%. Okay. And so the spread is something that people track. What happens is if the bond market feels that the economy is starting to quiver some, what you'll see is that spread blow out. And therefore, companies that are issuing debt will have to pay more relative to what the treasury is paying mm -hmm. because they are inherently saying there's more risk in that bond of that individual corporation. And so in general, corporate bonds will trade in line with each other that so when spreads broaden out on XYZ company, they generally broaden out as a whole on bonds in general in the corporate bond space. Gotcha. So well, the if I'm not clear there also, fire questions so I can no, make no, it. It's, no, it's, uh, I get you. So the reason I wanted to have this conversation with you is I think the Fed broke a lot of things the last two years by staying so low for so long. Mm -hmm. There's no question, I think, going where they did initially was the right answer. I don't think there's any argument. Where I have a problem with is they stayed there too long. Why is this important for the smart versus dumb uh, question? Is I don't think you know the average Robinhood trader who came in during the pandemic who was getting STEMI checks and all of this and uh, you know all of that really appreciates that essentially what happened is the Fed made risk cost zero. Yep. And yep. when, when yep. risk Companies is- Companies could go out and finance for almost zero. Yeah, essentially it was zero. And if you're new to the game and all you've known is buy the dip and the Fed put, you know, all of those things, you're ignoring the sea change 
And the reason this is important today, again, dumb versus smart, is the bond market, what I'm calling the smart money, is clearly saying the Fed's not playing around. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. You don't yep. see this move in the 10-year, which when I think from one, one three one to you know whatever it is now, 284. Yep. In like four months. I mean, again, yeah. dude, the smart money is saying something, and I think the dumb money is out to lunch, man. I don't, I don't get it. What do you think of all that? Yeah, I, I think that last year, all of us investors got absolutely spoiled rotten. So you look at last year, and what, and, and people, you know, looking back to 2020, we were spoiled rotten as well. And people say, oh, I've lived through a recession because I lived through the COVID recession. <laughs> that wasn't a recession. No, that wasn't a recession. That's we shut the year. economy down for 45 days. Right, right, exactly right. Man-made. And, 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 and what happened to stocks? They went boom, and they erupted out of the other side, right? The, v, the v, so ultimate V-shape, yeah. That's laughable. That, that, that was a self-induced recession that lasted 45 minutes, in my opinion. Exactly. And then what you had in 2021 was stimulus checks continue to pour into the market. 2021, the S&P 500 was up 26%, mm-hmm. and it had one of the lowest drawdowns, peak to trough, of any market we've seen in the last 50 years. So it's top five. The most you could have ever lost if you bought on the exact wrong day and sold on the exact wrong day, the S&P was 5.2%. That's crazy. You couldn't mess it up. Close your eyes, throw a dart you won. Mm. Now the sea change is starting to move. And what we're looking at now is, is the Fed starting to say, hey, things are too hot. We kept the punch bowl out there for too long. And Michael, you and I disagree a little bit on this. I don't give them quite as much blame. They should have stopped buying bonds, is my opinion, much before they did. And I was saying that at the time. I don't necessarily blame them for not raising rates as quickly, but I know you do, and I, I don't fault you. And the more we see inflation t- you know, crush us like it is right now, the more and more you look right and I look wrong. And that's a, that's, that's a perfectly fair assessment. But one of the oldest adages, the oldest adages on Wall Street, when it, since the Fed was incepted, was don't fight the Fed. Yes. Don't fight the Fed. They are the ones that plays the music at the party. When the music plays, dance. When the music stops, I'm not saying you have to stop dancing, but you better damn well be paying attention to the fact that, that music's stopping. And the easiest way to look at the bond market Yeah very simplistically and say, what is the bond market saying we're doing is just to look at treasuries. Don't look at anything else. Just look at treasuries. So the treasury yield curve is what this is referenced. Mm -hmm. Now, shorter dated treasuries, so one in two years, Mm -hmm. usually yield a lot less than 30-year treasuries. That's what the yield curve says. That's supposed to be. Yes. Supposed to be. Now, what's going on right now? Yeah, very different game. So what happens is the Fed controls the front end of the yield curve, Mm -hmm. the ones, twos, out to threes, fours, fives, something like that. And even overnight, like the three months. Um, And what the Fed does is when they raise rates, the front end of the curve starts to move up, Mm -hmm. causing it to flatten if the back end doesn't move along with it. Mm -hmm. The back end of the treasury yield curve is dependent upon the economic growth and more importantly, inflation. And so growth drives inflation at the end of the day. And what the back end of the yield curve is dependent upon is the economic strength that we see. Mm -hmm. Now, it's a little confusing right now because the back end has stayed pretty stable because growth has stayed relatively stable. But what you see is the inflation that you would think would drive it up has not done so. 
And so what that's saying is that is saying the bond market is telling us that not only is inflation going to come back down, but growth really isn't as rosy as what everyone thinks it is at this point. Yeah. So I, I kind of, you know, got a little out of the, out of the ordinary there, or, yeah. uh, you know, a little off, off kilter there. But again, the flattening of the yield curve is the economy or the bond market telling us that the economy is not quite as healthy. And that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah. The other thing I want to go back to is for most of my adult life, the Fed was always the front end, right? Overnight rates, overnight rates bleed yep. into all the other curve until now. This time is truly different. The Fed's got a balance sheet of 9.1, 9.2 trillion dollars, which they now have identified that as soon as May 4th, they're going to start selling. I think yep. it was 65 million of treasuries and 30 million of mortgage, whatever it is. It's about $100 billion a month. Yep. Yep. I have been talking about, and I still feel that that is the magnitude of that. A, A, they're going for the biggest buyer to now the biggest seller. That freaks me out a little bit. I got to tell you. Yep. So let me, let me change your words a little bit there. Sure. So I would not say that they're the biggest seller because okay. they're not turning over into the market and selling. What they're doing is they're letting it roll off. Roll off. off. Yeah. So as things mature, they then let it roll off as opposed to just taking that money as they mature and buying new. Good, good point. So they go from the biggest buyer to not being the biggest buyer by any stretch of the imagination. That's a very fair comment. But I wouldn't say that they're necessarily a seller. Okay. I, I, I'm just kind of twisting no, the words. No, I like right. it. No, no, please. Yeah. And But again, the, again, when you are the whale in anything and then you're not. Oh, yeah. And oh, by the way, you're a whale that doesn't have to make a profit. Let's not forget that. Right. They, they're not doing it because they had to make that was the best return. They were doing it for other reasons. You don't care about risk reward. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't think they did. Reward. I don't think they did. Right. Just, yeah. Give I, me more. So give I've me more. This, give me more. I've made this comment a, a couple of times to you. Um, and I think it's still a fair comment is that although they will step aside and not be a buyer in the market anymore of mm -hmm. mortgage backed and treasury securities, um, what you will see is I do believe that there's kind of an inherent lid on the market. And that's the fact that there are foreign buyers that will True. step into this market and begin to purchase. Because if you look at right now, the Japanese 10 year bond, mm -hmm. it yields not 2.85% like the US treasury does. Mm -hmm. It yields 0.25%. 0. 0.25%. 0. <laughs> 0. 0. Yeah. So effectively nothing. And for a, a long period of time, there was a massive, massive amount of, of government debt around the world that mm -hmm. was negative yielding. At one yeah. point, the number was $14 trillion. This is about two years ago when it hit speak. $14 trillion of negative yielding debt. What that means, folks, is you are paying the government, literally paying the government to hold your money. Yeah. You could put it on your mattress and be better off. But yeah. what you're actually doing there is you're not saying, okay, I want to, I want to pay the government. What mm -hmm. you're actually saying when you do that is that I'm putting my money here because I think the things are going to go more negative. <laughs> yeah. There's going to go more. really bad. <laughs> right. And that, that would actually make yeah. you money. And that's exactly what people are doing. But I guess my point, and I got a, a kind of around the bush here is that foreign buyer may very well at some point say, Hey, I don't want to buy that Japanese bond at 0.25%. I would rather step over into the United States, which I actually think maybe this is naive of me is a better economy and a more sound government and buy their bonds 
4, 3%, 4%, whatever it might be at that given time. Everyone has a home country bias. Sure. So we think we're the great, we're, we're, you know, we're in the United States, we're the greatest country in the world. You know what? I'm not saying that every company, every country thinks that, but every country, the people that live there have a home country bias and a Absolutely. tendency to buy their own stocks and their own bonds. And actually we're not the number one uh, perpetrator of that. They're, the Scandinavian countries have something like a 97% home country bias. Oh, wow. I so 97% of their investments get placed in their own country. So I'm off topic here. We're something like a 92% home country bias, by the way. Okay. So we're less, but, but nonetheless, it's still, you know, huge. Yeah. Back to the smart money, dumb money to wrap this yep. up because yep. we're in earnings seasons, right? The big banks came out last week. Oh, by the way, one of the banks, Wells Fargo came out and said mortgage demand was going to come down. I nailed that. Uh, I called that earlier. Which one? Wells Fargo. Did you, did you see JP Morgan Chase, what their, what their mortgage origination was down Q1? 3%. Yeah, I did. Yeah. 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 It's all coming, man. It's like, it's like, I do this for a living. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, exactly. Right. You got, <laughs> you, you do have your, I will say you have your absolute finger on the pulse when it comes to mortgages and, yeah. and, you know, lending, et cetera, from the banking. So well, I have yeah, to, I'm making, I'm making family decisions on, you know, what for me is a lot of money. So fair, yeah, fair, I'm, fair. I'm watching, uh, but where I'm going with this is we're in earnings seasons. Um, and I think coming out of earnings season, which generally is three weeks in duration, we're just starting. My have guess is 7% report so far. Yeah. My guess is the expected earnings per share of the S&P 500 uh, will come down as we exit, right? People are going to talk about the next quarter being weaker than currently expected. I'm going to say down 10 or 15%. And more importantly, the mul multiple on that is going to come in as well. I think today it's still 15 or 16% multiple. I think yeah. that comes in. That's a double whammy for a pretty negative hit. And I don't think the dumb money sees it coming. They just, I don't know what, I don't know what they're doing, but they don't see it coming. Yeah. Multiples right now are still extended. So what oh, that means is, yeah. what that means is for every dollar worth of earnings that a company makes, what multiple of that dollar you're willing to pay for stocks. So right now it's right around 19 times earnings. So if a company makes a dollar worth of earnings on average, the street is paying them 19 times for that dollar worth of earning. So as of the end of Q1 for context, the S&P 500 is trading at a premium, a higher valuation than what it has historically over the last 10 years. And large cap growth, growth companies, which have been the, you know, the only thing you've wanted over the last 10 years mm -hmm. are trading at a larger premium than the S&P 500. So just to give you context, large cap growth companies trade at 144%. Oh. So a 44% premium to what their historic price to earnings ratio is. Now, a couple things need to be you know, understood here. As the federal funds rate goes up, those multiples over time have always come down. Come in, so, yep. yep. So, so expect it from that perspective, but also not looked at as frequently. And an awesome chart they showed on CNBC this morning is as inflation is high, yeah, multiples come in, and it makes sense because yeah. inflation begets higher rates, right? So, as inflation's high, rates go higher because of that. But with inflation being so meaningful right now, everyone knows it. And then secondarily, not secondarily, in in order. As Fed funds go, rate goes higher, both those things drive multiples lower. And it's just like, 
God, you got to know, you, you got to know what you're messing with right now. You got to yeah. know what you're messing with right now. And, 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 and when the fed is getting out of the way and saying, I'm going from, you know, a buyer to not buying anymore. And I'm going from willingness to lend being really, really, really cheap to not being the case. Know what you're messing with. And the, the, to your point, smart money, dumb money right now, the smart money in the fixed income world is saying at least take a step of caution. Exactly. Well, do me a favor, Taylor. Where can people find you? Because you guys are putting out amazing stuff every day. Uh, thanks so much. Yeah, find us at Life Goal Investments on Instagram. That's the best place to find us, at Life Goal Investments on Instagram. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you. You're the man, Michael. Mm -hmm.